0: It's Monday the 18th of May and we're here with Derek Munn, RCSLT's Director of Policy and Public Affairs, for our regular catch-up. We're thrilled to be joined by Judith Broll, Director of Professional Development, to help us to navigate the many issues that have been impacting on speech and language therapy. Needless to say, we're all being good citizens and observing social distancing from join- by joining from our homes, so if you hear a neighbour's dog barking or the sound of building work, you'll know why. It's the RCSLT's 75th anniversary, and this month we're shining a spotlight on SLTs working with COVID-19. But we are, of course, well aware that members in all services and settings are preparing for the new normal and ways that we all move forwards. So how do you feel about the way members have been dealing with this situation?
1: Thank you for the opportunity to start with this, Vicky. I, I think the first thing to say is that I think speech and language therapists, in whichever setting they are working, are showing such resilience creativity and professionalism at this time, and we are so proud of their response. Speech and language therapists have changed their ways of working quickly and sometimes radically. And it's a scary and uncertain time, but you're facing down all the challenges. Some of you have been redeployed and are working in new teams, acting as ambassadors for speech and language therapy to other members of the multidisciplinary team learning new skills, developing what we know and spreading the word of our amazing profession. Others have shown great ingenuity in ways you're rearranging your services to ensure continuity for your communities and for your service users. Eric, if you'd like to add anything? Well
2: look, it's no surprise to us that speech and language therapists have stepped up magnificently, whether those dealing directly with COVID-19, people who've stepped in to provide cover for them, and um, people in other settings and sectors who found ways to keep those services going through remote working or whoever it might be. But we're aware that there, there are health and well-being implications of this for all of us. Uh, you'll have seen a member survey from the RCSLT on this. And actually, I'm representing the allied health sector on an NHS England group particularly focused on health and well-being issues going forward for staff.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Derek, and thank you, Judith. So I was just wondering, uh, I think members would like to know, what's, what's been going on in the four nations relating to COVID-19, and how is RCSLT influencing that work?
2: Well, people who've heard me talk on these podcasts before will know that we talk about public affairs work uh, trying to influence the government, you know, the ministers and the civil servants, trying to influence Parliament, which is something slightly different, Um, And then the system more generally, the NHS and the agencies and other professions. So there are different strands to the influencing. Uh, On the government side, we have written directly to ministers in the Four Nations around the key issue of protective equipment. And we back this up with questions in Parliament and by sending evidence to the relevant expert advisory groups. We're also talking to Unite about joint work. We haven't yet won the battle To get all of what we regard as aerosol generating procedures written into the the guidance but we're not going to give up on it we're going to keep going until we get there. Um, A range of parliamentary committees are looking at matters relating to Covid and we've been input to all of those. First of all around the rights and needs of people with speech language and communication needs so we previously put into the human rights committee on this And now the Women and Equalities Committee are also looking at how you make sure that everything around COVID-19 takes due account of people's different needs and requirements, and for us that's about putting speech language and communication needs front and centre. The Education Committee are looking at the restarting of children's services, and obviously we've got a huge amount to say about that. And our own submission and others to which we contributed to the, the big Health Select Committee inquiry into what comes after COVID-19 that links to extensive work with the NHS and other agencies, but it also links to our own professional work, which I'm sure Judith will cover.
1: Well, with that nice segue, over to Judith. Thank you, Derek. I think our CSLT has been at the forefront of responding to the COVID pandemic in terms of how to keep our members and um, patients safe and I think I'd really like to echo what Derek was talking about especially around the PPE requirements because this is continuing to grow and actually one of the pieces of work that was set up very very early on which seems like a long time ago in March was a a COVID-19 expert group within RCSLT looking at PPE as one of their first documents that they're written. Actually we have just reopened that uh, committee really in respect of the wider group as the COVID tail which is the new word for everything that's not ITU around COVID becomes more of an issue and COVID in the community becomes more widely recognised. There has been a lot of work going on recognising the fact that the, um, the carers and, and staff in the community may not have the appropriate PPE and members are bringing that to us questioning how on earth they're meant to be managing, especially with remote working. help keep everybody around the patient safe. So PPE is something that we are going to continue to work on, especially in light of the AGP work and other work in particular. We've been extremely busy putting together other work streams around um, mouth care, for example, which we're doing a huge piece of influencing as well as some uni-professional work around that. We're doing work around data collection, which I think will be really helpful both for for the profession now and in the future, nationally and internationally. We've had a lot of interest in that. Um, we're also looking at work around COVID-19 rehabilitation pathway, which has been recognized by the Intensive Care Society, for example, in supporting us to have our work stream just for speech and language therapy. We've put together some work around how we can reintroduce endoscopy services safely. And we're starting to look at how we can do the same for video fluoroscopy. These really are in response to the members asking us where we are with it, but equally being mindful that this is core work that speech and language therapists need to deliver. We're also looking at ultrasound, trying to be innovative as ever as a profession, which we're very excited about as well. I think one thing I'd like to just reflect on briefly is is how outward-looking and multi-professional we're being around this, and we're getting really good endorsement from other organisations like the British Laryngology Society, British Thoracic Society, I won't name them all, but I think the work we are doing is being recognised within a wider forum, which I think is one of the many silver linings that may well come out of COVID. In terms of rehabilitation work stream for the non-COVID patients, I think we need to say that we are very aware the majority of these services are being reviewed now. And we are front and centre of this and putting together some work that we will be um, sharing with you very, very soon. Telehealth is also something that um, speech and language therapists have been doing for a long time in small groups, but now is becoming... In theory, the new normal for a lot of services. And I think increasingly as children's services come online again, it's something that we will be embracing, although we are very mindful, that is not something for all sectors. So we are about to launch our draft, uh, which will probably go live shortly. And on the back of that, we will then cons- continue to work and do some iterations on it, including webinars and podcasts. And we're doing a lot of work supporting students and HEIs, Health um, Higher Education Establishments, but I'll come on to that again a bit later. I could just keep talking forever, but I think the last thing I'd just like to say there is, I think that the press have really embraced speech and language therapy. We've had a lot of really positive feedback around what we're doing. And we've had lots of inquiries about how to get into the profession. Um, so again, I think the value we have always known is so important is now being being noticed from sources that we hadn't anticipated.
0: I wondered if, if either of you had noticed uh, any significant differences in the approach between the nations. And I think go to Derek first.
2: Yeah, there's a couple of things I'd mention. I think, you know, quite rightly, there was an ambition at the outset. I think for the four countries to move in concert as much as possible you'll be aware from just watching and listening to the news that that started to to break down a wee bit. Um, Now, on PPE, the four governments have been keen to stick to the agreed UK-wide guidance, and I think that's because the ongoing issues around supply, the number of different professions making bids around other procedures, the um, issues around care homes. I think the politicians are very keen to have PPE in the done box and have it signed off. But our Northern Ireland colleagues have done absolutely brilliant work, briefing members of the Northern Ireland Assembly. And last week, the Northern Ireland Health Minister said on the record that the aerosol generation issue needs to be looked at. And he actually went further and talked about seeing himself, the role of speech therapists on the front line, doing COVID-19 testing and referencing our specialist understanding of anatomy and physiology. So that's really strong and potentially gives us a, a A a breach there. As the approach to easing the lockdown diverges across the four nations, there may be differences on for example when um, NHS services restart, when independent practitioners can restart and also reopening schools. Now Scotland and Northern Ireland, the summer holidays start much earlier, they start in June, so Scotland and Northern Ireland have been pretty clear that not going back to school before the summer is very unlikely. England it's still in play, and we're, so we're trying to establish with the Department for Education, if a school reopens, what does that mean for other professionals, including speech and language therapists, who would previously have gone onto to the school site? And we'll let you know when we find out about that.
0: Great. Thank you, Derek. Um, and Judith, have you noticed any differences, divergence or convergence?
1: I think it's a a really interesting one I think Derek summed it up very nicely about this this ebb and flow and I think there are differences every week feels like a month in in the world of COVID in terms of how things can be planned I think generally Derek has covered it all I just like to put in there something around what's going on around universities because I do think that there are there are differences again around how each university is managing COVID and I just really wanted to thank the the higher education establishments who we are working extremely closely with around COVID and around how to support students at this really challenging time for us all Um, and I think there are differences across the nations but I think that RCSLT has been really key in trying to pull together the speech and language therapy services at least to try and think about how we can work in a cohesive way and support clinicians and students right across the patch for example rcslt with the heis have put together a training survey for adults in adult services looking to see what we can do around supporting training especially in the new way of working how we can support existing staff and students and that's that the survey results have just come in which we're analyzing and then we'll get back out to two members as soon as possible which is extremely valuable and again depending on where you are in the nations you will have different issues to, to manage there. I think the, the big thing to say is that right across the pit piece wherever you work there is a real request to employ organisations more to have more students and there are now paid student placements recognising that safety is paramount and there has to be an awful lot of care thinking about remote telehealth in particular around placements and whether they could do different, different methods of, of training but I think there are differences across each but I think there are also lots of opportunities to look at training and I think in particular dysphagia is something that we are looking at with RCSLT in line with the HEIs to see how long-term we can future-proof the profession in light of Covid but also before Covid as well but that's a, a bigger piece that we will be doing further down the line.
0: Great, thank you. And of course, uh, you sort of alluded there, um, Judith, that there is still a huge amount of important work taking place aside from COVID, uh, and which is key for the profession. I wonder, could you tell us more about that, please, and possibly start with Derek on this one?
2: Certainly. Um, stuff that isn't COVID-19. Uh, we've had a big win in Scotland. The Scottish Parliament has passed a new Consumer Act, and it explicitly references, in the wording of the Act, inclusive communication and taking account of communication need. So that's now the second law in Scotland which has inclusive communication written into it following the social security Act. so that's good news. At Westminster, we've got a focus at the moment around the Domestic Violence Bill um, showing the links to speech, language and communication relating to situations of abuse. On the proactive side, we've done a new outward-facing fact sheet on cleft lip and palate. We ran a mini-awareness campaign around Dying Matters Week showing the SLT role in end of life and we're now doing the same with a bunch of new resources for Mental Health Awareness Week.
1: That's
0: quite a a lot of stuff going on (laughs) Derek thank you and Judith do you have anything to add to that?
1: Well there's a lot of work going on and I'd like to (laughs) just pick up on Derek's point about Mental Health Awareness Week. We're just starting a piece of work around a learning journey for children and young people with mental health um, difficulties and I think that really fits nicely into the longer picture and we're then going to do, this is for non-speech and language therapists, we're then going on to do a piece for speech and language therapists and that's something I think that RCSLT have as a golden thread running through everything they do, that's one of the themes. Um, We're still looking at communication access and and as Derek has already mentioned, it's a huge coup in, in Scotland as a very important piece of work around leadership and we're looking in more detail at um, clinical advisors as well. And the, the advanced clinical practitioner agenda has also started to um, become more more prominent, which is very exciting. And I think this is a huge opportunity to really sing the praises of speech and language therapists and look at the extended roles that they have. And I think that we can offer so many things in so many different ways. The, The agenda of advanced clinical practitioners seems to have reappeared as well, which I'm very excited about. And first contact practitioners are two opportunities for the profession, which I think we would we should really grasp and consider in more detail, because these are the roles, I think, especially in this brave new landscape, where we can not only show how skilled we are as a profession, but also continue to push our borders and to really work at the top of our licenses which we are already doing but i think we need to recognize this and i think as a profession of brave creative and resilient clinicians we really could do with selling ourselves in a wider forum
0: brilliant thank you excellent Thank you um, Judith and Derek for that. That's been really enlightening and I I hope uh, members find this useful and big thanks to all of our members working across all of the settings and uh, stay safe and well.